Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cooked to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child, and you look around for support, and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today, and that's all you can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, I don't know about you, playing games with us. Now, there are trees down, Cork Safety Alert say, there are trees down Maryborough Hill, and I know there's power out in that general neck of the woods. They're on the Ballard Hill and Cove, trees down there, between Belgooley and Riverstick at Glencora Avenue, Skibbereen. Loads of trees down, Crosshaven, Carrigaline, on the road up there towards Spa Glen near Mallow, and there's ro- trees down on the Grange Road, if you find any trees or debris or electricity pole, anything else that's come down in the storm this morning, this is where you become part of the production team on the opinion line. 083 396 Pop us a text or pop us a WhatsApp or a voice note and just let us know. It doesn't seem to have been anything like what we were afraid of. Um, and again, I wouldn't like to put a wrong read on it. Let's check up with uh, Cork City Council. Their Director of Operations is David Joyce. David, as I was driving in this morning, all I really saw was some ponding on the keys. Fairly heavy ponding, but nothing too serious. Are we over the worst? What are the experts telling you? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Morning to your listeners. No, I think, as you were saying earlier, I think a lot of people may have slept through some of the worst of it. There was very, very strong winds overnight but there was no major damage reported overnight. But I will warn people that the orange wind warning is still in place until 11 a.m. this morning. So we have exited the red at 8 a.m., but the orange is in place till 11. And Midhairn have now extended the yellow wind and rain warning until 6 p.m. That was due to lift earlier in the afternoon. It has now been extended by three hours to 6 p.m. So we are still in orange warning. There's a yellow one going to extend after that. So it still is... um there still is issues out. I think someone said a ring there. 
Oh, just hang up, sir. My apologies about that. Um, but there is, um, there was, you said, very little flooding, uh, only ponding, and there's no further flooding predicted. Um, but we would still ask people not to venture out unless uh, necessary. The winds are still very strong and picked up significantly from about half past seven this morning. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was up earlier and that would have noticed there was the calm in the middle of the storm, as it were, which was predicted that the winds were going to die down while the storm passed over and then change direction from a southwest to a northwest and pick up significantly again. There is a lot of debris and branches and leaves on the roads. Like yourself, I was driving around this morning early and there's a lot of debris. It is very slippery out there. Not big items in some places, small items, but they can be just as dangerous if you come around the corner and and hit a slippery patch. And mm-hmm. um, as you were mentioning earlier as well in, in your introduction, there's a lot of trees now coming as being reported as being down around the city, Blarney in particular, and you mentioned a lot of other areas there. And I'd like to specifically reference Grange Road, which you referenced. There's actually trees down at both ends of Grange Road, both at the Douglas end and at the Kinsale Road end. Kinsale Road roundabout end so okay. we're expecting it's going to take at least an hour before we get to clear one or two of those passages so there is significant problems up in Grange at present in relation to the Grange Road and there are pockets of power outages around mainly related to trees coming down taking down power lines and we have actually had some reports of property damage no major property damage but I've had uh, reports of railings down on the north side of the city and also a private building with the roof um, haven't been significantly damaged. So there has been damage overnight. There may still continue to be further damage, mm-hmm. but in particular, people are going to come across um, emergency situations as they're driving along the road. Um, and so we would ask people, slow down, drive with care, and more attention than you normally would if you mm-hmm. do have to go out. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose like the next... Said, pro- proper breezy, at least, for the next few hours. Re- I mean, still yes. still very high levels of wind. Not quite red, but very high levels of wind. Not red, but very high levels of wind until at least 11am, and most certainly after that, right up to 6, it won't be a nice day. It would be squally and... Um, windy, wet weather for the rest of the day, unfortunately. Okay. I, in terms of transport and stuff, I don't know if you're in touch with this. Are the buses coming back on at 10 as planned? Is that still going ahead? I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I don't see why not. But bus air would have to confirm exactly what their plans are. But I would be hopeful that they would come back on board um, from about 10 o'clock. And I suppose the important, another important message for your listeners is if they come across an emergency situation, they should ring the emergency services on either 112 or 999. But if they come across a non-emergency service, we have had our uh, customer service unit spun up since very early this morning to take calls. So the sure. phone number for that is 492 4000. That's 492 4000. Okay. And that's an 021 number. Oh, two one four nine two four thousand. Yes. Okay, David, I'll leave it there. Your line is cracking up a little bit on me, but thank you, David Joyce, Director of Operations with Cork City Council. She's not quite the doozy we were afraid of. I think what happens though is we now compare everything to Ophelia, uh, and and we kind of use Ophelia as a benchmark, which, to be fair, it was. Uh, but if you see anything that you think the council can help with, 021 492 4000. 021 492 4000. The emergency numbers, as he said, 112 or 999. If you see anything that you think we should know about, 083 396 96 96. Let us go through some of your input. Trees down uh, on the back road from Glanton to Glenmire. 
is there um, debris on the road as well? Thanks. Three down, just before Klein GAA. Uh, please note, PJ, it's the strength of the gusts that creates the red alert. Thank you for that. Actually, that is true. Uh, don't knock the forecasters. Oh, God, no, I'm not, John. I'm not. Uh, I just saw a lot of cynicism and scepticism uh, coming in in the comments this morning, like, where was this thing? But you're right. It's it's the strength of the wind, the strength of the gust that creates the, the red alert. Uh, so if you haven't experienced it where you are, it doesn't mean others haven't. Thanks for that, John. Dave and Cove, very severe gusts down there and would urge caution. Thanks for that. Now, we have been hearing since early morning, Queen Bee notified me earlier on to say that we were power was gone down at home. So there's power down, I think, up around Maryborough Hill. Uh, let's check in with the ESB Network's regional manager in Wilton, Jim Hernan. Jim, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. We've had alerts in the last half an hour to an hour of a lot of power out. What can you tell us? Yeah, it's it's a developing situation, PJ. Um, our numbers nationally at the moment are around 55,000 customers. But um, as I look at it here, the storm is tracking east and we are starting to see damage now in Cork City, as you just mentioned there, but also into South Tipperary and West Waterford. So at the moment, um, our Numbers in, in County Cork are about 32,000 across about 130 different fault locations. Um, of that, within what we might call the city and the suburbs, about 5,000 customers in about 25 fault locations. As, as you mentioned there, yep, Douglas, Maryborough, up into Monigourney. Uh, if I keep going, you had a caller there on the right, Cove Passage, Monkstown, uh, Riverstown, Glanmire. So that, that's the, the picture in around the city, and our sense is that will develop and increase probably over the next couple of hours. It is still very squally out there. We've had crews out since before first light and indeed on call crews through the night mm. but um, we expect those numbers may rise before they fall later in the day yeah is it a thing jim that fixing faults generally the more places go out at one go like the more homes go out at one go the more likely it is to be something you can find reasonably straightforward is that a, a fair it, it is, PJ, absolutely, um, and a number of those faults we will be able, once we have damage assessed the line, and that's the main thing, so a lot of our activity this morning is we have crews out actually physically walking lines and tracking lines to make sure that we can switch customers back in remotely without any danger on the line. Um, so I suppose our, our overriding message, and you've heard us say it before, is if anyone does come across fallen or damaged network out there, um, they have to assume it's live, Stay clear and contact us on eighteen hundred three seven two nine nine nine. We will we'll be prioritising any any such instance. Now you did have, I'm sure you still do have, uh, an extremely good app uh, on both Google and Apple Power Check. Is that being updated as we speak? Absolutely. That that's that's our best real time resource, PJ, for anyone who wants to know if we're aware of their outage and when power is likely to be restored. Now that's actually available on PowerCheck.ie. And if customers go on there, they can see uh, from a map-based graphic whether they're in a known outage. And indeed, if they're not in a known outage on that same site, they can actually log their outage and make us aware of it. So absolutely, we would direct people to, to powercheck.ie. Okay. And it, do you have an emergency number that people can call if, if, there's an, if they see anything hazardous? Oh, absolutely. one 800 
372-999. Um, that, that will be answered 24-7, our, our call centre in Wilton. Anything um, of danger or of concern to any member of the public, please, please let us know. And of course, as always, and look, we're saying this since I was a small boy, don't approach anything yourself. Absolutely not, PJ. I suppose the, the, the message is even if a customer has no supply, uh, they can't assume that the wire they see down is is dead. Yeah. It may still be live. We, we may be making it live as we try to restore supply. So stay clear and let us know on 1800 372 And lastly, in the house itself, Jim, uh, if the power is out, we were told in the past, switch everything off and treat it as if it were live. Some people leave mm-hmm. a light on to, to you know just indicate. Is it safer to turn everything off? Yeah, a, a good tip, PJ, what we would do ourselves is uh, leave something like a light switch switched on, uh, but any heating appliance, so anything like electric heaters, cookers, uh, irons, anything that could come on and then be a heat source, turn that off, plug it out, uh, but leave, leave something like a light on so that when the power does come back on, you, you'll know. be the first to know. All right, listen, thanks for that. And if we have any further updates uh, during the morning, we might come back to you. Jim Hernan. ESB Network's Regional Manager in Wilton. Thank you. We know at the moment of outages in West Cork mainly, Ballydehub, Bantry, Dillon-Gariff, McCroom, Rathmore, Roscarbury, Dunmanway, Castletown Bear, Timeleague, closer to the city, Ring of Skiddy, uh, Kilshanny, there's an outage there, Douglas, Maryborough, Money, Gourney, Northside, there's Mayfield, Lowesmore. If you have no power but can get a phone text or a phone signal and uh, drop us a text to 83 396 please feel free to do so. Uh, could you ask people to take in their empty bins? They're flying around the place. Yes, flying around the place. The bins are flying around the place and they are making drive- driving hazardous. Thanks for that. Uh, there's a tree down on Clark's Hill at Rochestown, affecting traffic going up. Could be very dangerous because it's just around the bend where you go. Thanks, Marie, for that. Uh, yeah, loads of them coming in. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Morning, PJ. Stop knocking the national weather forecast. Thankfully, forecasters, thankfully wasn't as bad as predicted. Better safe than sorry. On the contrary, my friend, I'm probably the only one of my immediate circle that said, no, you know what? Red, a red warning is a red warning. Better for it to be predicted and not come than for it not to be predicted and come. You might remember, if you're old enough, and certainly if you're not, ask your parents. They will know the story of Michael Fish. Michael Fish was a very famous BBC weather forecaster. And I couldn't put a year on it. Fergal, you might. You have a memory like like an elephant. Michael Fish went on BBC television, it's a number of years ago now, quite a few years ago in fact, and uh, there was rumours of a hurricane or a severe storm. And Michael Fish said, oh no, 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 that's not going to happen at all, that's going to go right past us, there won't be a problem. And the next morning there was carnage, 1987, 
1987. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that happened. And he did. He went on the air and he just said, no, no, everything's fine. Everything's just fine. It'll be fine. There'll be no, hur- be no hurricane. It's all going to blow, blow quite harmlessly past us. <laughs> yeah, it didn't though, did it? Right, we got a voice note in on WhatsApp with regard to, is that in with regard to the to the to the storm? Huge traffic delays heading into Cove this evening due to traffic lights at the Fosha Wildlife Park entrance. So there's about 30 to 35 minutes delay if you're coming from Cork into Cove. Slip road backed up, roundabout backed up, and up to Bramley and Forsha Island Resort turnoff is all backed up. So avoid. Thanks. Thanks, Fiona, for that. Um, sent it into us. Voice notes at 083 396 96 96. You on a morning like this, you form part of our production team, and we're always grateful. Amazing how we as kids and adults got on with life back then. Storms and heavy snow didn't bother us, says Kieran. Now people are like mice running for cover. But Kieran, I read a very interesting article in one of the newspapers in the last couple of days about severe weather in previous years. People died, you know, people died. And the reason for these alerts and the reason they stay say stay at home is to avoid people being killed do you know what I mean like we'd have a different tune we'd be singing a different tune if they didn't tell us anything and people got killed see a a report from Medairn there's a recording of a gust of wind now it's a gust of 172 kilometres an hour off of the Cork coast now that's 101 miles an hour right If you drove at that speed, you'd be off the road. 101 miles an hour. So that's fast. That's heavy. That's wind. Declan, what time are you supposed to get married today, my friend? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How's it going? All right. You're getting married? Yeah, 2.15 in the Imperial Hotel. Okay, okay. And you're worried about have they got power, yeah? Well, I'm more worried about my own power because I need to have a shower there in a couple of hours. Like, but uh, no, I was just laughing when I heard when I heard the guy from the ASB um, on the radio there earlier. I just said, like, you know, he'd never station a couple of lads outside the hotel and do me a favour by any chance. <laughs> I know. Now, an awful lot of hotels will have their own generator, but at the same time, you'd be you'd be half afraid. Uh, yeah. Well, at the we we haven't heard of many power outages in the city centre just yet. Right. So so hopefully that you should be okay. But it's it's two two fifteen. You're getting married. Yeah, two fifteen. Um, I bought a couple of umbrellas yesterday, especially. But uh, looking out the window there, now I I doubt they're going to be of any use to us. Uh, no, you know, unless we're going to do an old bit of a Mary Poppins up the South Mallard. <laughs> <laughs> who's the Who's the lucky lady, Declan? Uh, Laura Mead is her name. All right. Okay. Well, congratulations to the two of you. Um, I would have every faith in the guys at the Imperial. To, to get power going for you. Oh, yeah, they're, oh, they've been fantastic already. We, she, my, my better half stayed overnight yesterday, and when we went in yesterday, they were fantastic already. Yeah. So oh, they're, they're, well, they're well prepared. They are great people in there. They really are great people in the Imperial. Okay, Declan, and congratulations to yourself and Laura in advance later today. And hope that, <laughs> is there anyone who can let you have a shower? I mean, can, I'd say you might be better off to sneak into the hotel and see can you get a shower in there. <laughs> <laughs> because you might not get a shower at home for a while. Thanks, Deck. 0818 96 96 96. It's worse now than it was at 8, says a WhatsApp message. Well, I, I was coming in this morning, I sat into the car about that quarter to 10 to 7, 
and it was flat calm. There wasn't a puff of wind when I was sitting into the car at around quarter to ten to seven this morning. And I thought, okay, right, what's going on here? And I arrived in and I parked the car and just as I was listening to the morning radio and going through the headlines on my phone before I came up here, it was really starting to, to liven itself up again in the city centre. So definitely, there, there was definitely uh, a lull in the middle of it all. Right, you mean that was the... OK, here's another voice note. OK. Just to let everybody know that there's a tree down on Ballard Hill coming into Cove, so you can't take a left turn at the castle coming into Cove. You have to divert over the other way. If you're coming out of Cove and you come out that way, you have to divert down Donegal Hill. So be careful, be kind, and be safe. It's Friday. Yes, it's Friday. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, power gone in Passage West. Okay. I'm living near the bus garage in Capwell, says Hazel. The buses are just beginning to move out. Stay safe. Thanks for that, Hazel. Uh, John and Cove says, you don't have to go to England for problems over weather forecasts. I was talking with the Michael Fish one in 1987. Met Aaron stood down a gale force warning from weather system in Christmas 97 but bafflingly never mentioned a hurricane that was coming in behind it. And while it technically wasn't wrong, a lot of sailors dropped their guard. Rochestown Point recorded 125 miles per hour in that hurricane. The tide itself was small when it hit land, but had it not been, Cork City would have been destroyed. Cove did have a lot of flooding back in 1997. Thanks for that. John, on the Imperial and Declan and Laura's wedding, the Imperial Hotel, they're grand. They have power. Receptionist was very nice. Everything is just fine. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Just with regard to masks, and I'm running a poll on my own Twitter at uh, PJ Coogan, and we've retweeted it on the show Twitter. You know that Neffet wrote to the government last evening and said now is the time you can start easing off on the masks on the bus, you can start easing off on the masks in school, you can start easing off on the masks anywhere other than healthcare. Uh, you can start easing off on the masks and the idea is, at least that's it'll all be confirmed Monday or Tuesday but we think at this stage that all mandatory mask usage outside of healthcare will end on the 28th of February, and it'll be your choice then. You'll be able to decide whether you want to wear a mask or not. I, for one, will continue to wear a mask on the bus, or I will wear one in a small shop. Not so sure about a big, huge Tesco's or Aldi would I wear one in there, but I'd carry one around in the polka, and if there is need of it. I'm running a poll on Twitter as to, now that it looks like the mask mandate is to be relaxed, what will you do? Will you continue to wear one? Or will you not? And we're going to run that until about quarter to twelve. So it's on my Twitter, at PJ Coogan. We've retweeted it on the show Twitter. So just get in and answer the poll and help us with that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let's get down, let's get down, I 
We're back to the music. The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that ESB PowerCheck website actually is almost better than the app. If you've access to a battery-powered laptop or something, you can do it because there's a lot of power out. 700 in Carrigal Line, 700 customers. Uh, estimated time back half 10. Cove has about 50 houses out, quarter past 12. Uh, loads out in, in Douglas, nearly 3,000. They'll be back around half nine. Uh, although in the other part of Douglas, yeah, uh, Douglas would be back between half nine and quarter to one, pretty much everywhere. Kilbarry, due back after midday. Lift, pop down and have another couple of months. Loads, Mayfield due back shortly. Ring of Skiddy due back around quarter to ten. Riverstown and Glenmire due back very, very shortly. So they are out there and they are working on them. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Early Childhood Ireland has published its annual barometer poll. This was taken up, the most recent one, in January taken up by Red Sea Polling, where they surveyed just over a 1,000 people aged over 18, nationwide survey, online uh, interviews for the most part, uh, asking them about the provision of early childhood education. And the findings are that about three quarters of all of those that they surveyed in Munster believed children have a right to free early years provision Francis Bourne, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Just tell me a little bit about the survey. It goes. You started doing this a few years ago. We started in 2018, and um, we Red Sea have been doing it on an annual basis ever since. So we have a number of questions that we've been asking for those five years, and then some newer ones um, um, that we have sort of changed every year, including the one that you've just mentioned. Uh, which is the the one that for the first time we asked people if they believed that children should have the right to free, high quality and accessible early years care and education. And and as you've said, in the Munster area, um, that was uh, three quarters um, of people. Now, I always say when we're talking about surveys, that's three quarters of those that you asked. But Red Sea do a very careful selection process across all sorts of demographics. So it's a fairly, fairly good sample. What message does that does that send to you, Francis? Well, I think it's very heartening and we're very buoyed by it um, uh, in early childhood Ireland because uh, last year, some of the questions that we asked uh, that we've been asking for the for the previous few years, the levels of support, while they remained fairly high, and if it had been the, our first poll, we would have been over the moon, they actually fell. So we were quite concerned about the impact of COVID on people's, you know, maybe their concerns about the future, about the economy and so on. But all of those figures are up. But this figure, which is 80% nationwide, um, um, and, and then it varies in, in, in various parts of the country, 
um, but in and around the at least the three quarters mark is um, it is really good to see. And actually, it probably is uh, related to COVID in that I think that people have realised that um, our sector, since it safely reopened in June 2020, is absolutely vital and so important to children and their families. One of the things that you and I have spoken about in the past is the, the, the fact that you, you feel the right to be properly recognised as part of the education sector, in other words, to have the same status as primary school and secondary school, that's well supported in this survey. It absolutely is. And in fact, one of the questions that we've been asking for five years is, um, if people think that the education of children under five is as important as the education of children over five and 71 percent of adults um, um, all over. So about again, about seven and 10 adults, including in Munster, are agreeing with that. So Early Childhood Ireland is, is really pleased to see that level of support. And that's up significantly since last year when, you know, probably people were looking at things and wondering about school and, you know, schools were opening and closing and, and and, and all of that. So it, it is. I mean, it's great to see. And, 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 you know, in some ways, it's it's showing that the Irish public, particularly the 80 percent figure where people are agreeing it's the right of a child, no matter their circumstances. You know, it, it's really showing that Irish people are recognising and want to move to that uh, that that um, Scandinavian model of childcare that we've discussed many times, um, PJ, which is so important. Mm. And people see the difference that it makes to, to children in their lives whether their parents are not mm. and I think that's the interesting thing it's all all demographics regardless of whether they have children or not um, are supporting are, are supporting and recognising um, and as you say are valuing early years care and education as much as we value primary and, uh, and secondary and saying that it should be funded by um, government mm. uh, and saying that it should be publicly funded as the other parts of the education system are so we've 72 percent agreement um, for that um, and that's really important you know. The consistent cry of people whenever it comes up Francis, of, of your sector indeed and your providers but just of those um, people using the, the services is the cost, the eye-watering cost. I, I thank my lucky stars every time that my children are well gone from that sector because the cost in many houses it's like a second mortgage Absolutely. And that's because um, we have uh, historically uh, underinvested um, in early years care and education. We're at the bottom of the OECD OECD League. We uh, invest 0.2% of GDP. UNICEF has said it should be 1% for a country like ours. Sweden spends 1.9%. And again, in the poll, 7 out of 10 people are saying, yes, we should be moving to that target faster than the current government is, is saying. Now, it is important to say and to recognise um, uh, that the, the current government has given a commitment to increase funding um, over the next year or so. But sadly, it's not going to be enough. Parents won't necessarily feel that in their pockets for um, over the next couple of years because of the historical um, underinvestment. And, you know, in the countries where it is properly supported and invested in which and where it's treated as a vital public good and if people incorporate it into their lives and it's just accepted that it's important, regardless of whether 
whether uh, you're a parent or not. It just is part of the infrastructure and people get on with it. And there are not just, um, you know, the, 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 there, there's a free provision and then there's also uh, systems where there's a ceiling. So even very well off people only pay a, a proportion and it's completely transparent and everybody knows the cost and how much everyone is contributing. So it's much more egalitarian and people are happy to pay into it because they see that um, it's really good uh, for, for children to have high quality care and education before they start primary school. You also asked about the rights of parents to be funded to stay home with their children for the first year of life. Yes, and again, very high support for this. Now, this had dipped um, last year, probably because people were thinking post-COVID and looking at the economy, but it's it's bounced back up again. Um, and certainly we're, we're seeing nationally um, that uh, 63% and, and Munster is matching that. Um, so I, we think that's really important. Mm. So although we are an organisation that is a membership one and delighted to be, um, and um, although all of our member services in Cork are are, um, are closed and, and, and battening down the hatches today, so um, thinking about everybody, all of our, our hundreds of members down there, but... Uh, certainly we are just as concerned with um, all of the, the first years of children's lives in early childhood Ireland and again in those countries that do these things well people, uh, families are supported uh, to stay at home for the first year of, of mm. children's lives because that's in the best interest of those children and again the state supports that and everybody pays into the system so that can happen There's an interesting gender divide though in your responses to that isn't there Francis? Sadly, there is PJ. <laughs> um, so we, we, we see that um, we, we have um, 71% women and 56% uh, men. Um, and I'm sad to say that they're monster figures. So I leave it to you yeah. to maybe contemplate and explain that. But in a very real way, in a very serious way. Um, and actually, the, the, there was a there was an article in the, in the Sunday Independent by a young father um, uh, about this very issue, about paternity leave and certainly we do need to see um, um, you know men being supported as well and very often particularly in Ireland because in the round men are paid more than women in the round when people are making economic decisions during that first year um, of course, there where there's a choice about parental leave. Of course, people are thinking, um, look, what, what you know, how, how can how can we possibly afford for you to to give up um, or to take uh, the benefit, which is which is generally lower than wages, uh, and not all employers ca- can afford to um, top up. Obviously, so certainly in early childhood Ireland, what we want to do is shift that debate and say, well, what's in the best interest of the child? It shouldn't be an economic decision. Mm. Um, fathers should feel just as free to spend that really important time uh, without having to worry um, about income during that first year. It's so good for babies mm. um, when they have that dedicated one-on-one care from either parent in, in a two-parent um, situation. So yes, that that's certainly something we'll be monitoring is that gender divide. But as I said, it's not a surprise 
given that traditionally um, in Ireland it's, it's mothers and indeed the government has supported mothers um, in the first few months of, of children's lives and long may that continue. I mean, that's very important too. Um, but societally, I think attitudes need to change and there are, you know, up and coming young man, young men like, like, like that dad, that new dad who wrote that article last week, you know, saying to other fathers, this is really good and, yeah. and we, we do need to do it more. Um, so, so that, so that's really good. And then the other thing, PJ, I'd be very remiss to to mention, it, um, particularly when we're talking about gender. You know, ninety eight percent of the thirty thousand staff are are women, but of course there are men working in the sector, um, as well, delivering quality, um, uh, care and education to young children. And there's overwhelming support again, um, in this uh, tracking poll for for the last five years and this year's to to bring their terms and conditions. And we've talked about this before on your show up to the same the equivalent of other professionals like teachers and nurses and so say all of us Indeed. for them and because it's in the best interest of children. Okay, thank you very much that's Frances Bourne uh, of Early Childhood Ireland uh, they've just published their barometer survey for 2022 Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. If there's anything you think we need to know about the storm, just 083 396 96 96. Fling us a text or a WhatsApp or a voice note if you want to do that. We've moved away from it now, but obviously if anything happens, we will go back to it because there's a lot of people without power around the city and county, a heck of a lot of them. There were some trees down, some debris, some damage done. So if there is anything that you think we should know about, 083 396 96 96. After 10, also returning to a subject we spent a lot of time talking about on the show pre-COVID. We haven't really talked about it since COVID arrived. But before COVID, it was a biggie for us on the programme. And we were amazed to discover how many people it affects Tell you what it is after 10. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Becky Keeley. Becky, good morning. Hello, PJ. How are you? Good. You represent AN2. You're organising an event this weekend in remembrance of those who died during the pandemic. Yes. So, Cork AN2 are holding a walk of remembrance tomorrow morning, um, Saturday, which is the 19th of February. So there's going to be 12 o'clock Mass in the Sacred Heart Church for anyone that wants to attend. And after Mass, then, we are going to gather outside the church and we're going to go for a short walk along the Lee Fields. And the reason we're doing this is to remember all of those who have died during COVID and all of those who couldn't have a proper funeral and also those, the family members and the friends that couldn't say goodbye to their loved ones properly. So we in AN2 felt it was a nice way for those that are grieving to meet mm-hmm. other like-minded people and to share their experiences, I suppose, experiences of loss and grief and confusion because 
that's what COVID did bring, especially when it came to losing a loved one and just um, a time where they can share memories of their loved ones. And I suppose we all know that um, talking to somebody that has a, had a similar experience to you and sharing that experience, that there is an awful lot of healing in that. So um, we're doing this. It's tomorrow, like I said. Um, if for anyone that wants Mass, there will be 12 o'clock Mass in the Sacred Heart Church. Uh, we're then going to gather outside the door. So anyone that, that won't be attending Mass, uh, if you'll be there about half 12 maybe, mm-hmm. and we'll gather and we'll lo- walk along the leaf fields and we'll just share our experiences and just give people that space. Okay. Um, because, you know, I suppose for all of us in a too anyway, we just feel that this is important to remember okay. all those who have died and their families Indeed. in any way that's possible. Well, I suppose, Becky, so, some of the saddest stories that we heard over the last two and a half years were, were of people who, who couldn't go to the funeral of loved ones and, you know, horrible yeah, things like having to watch cold. it on, watch it on a yeah. telephone, you know. It was yeah, a, and like, you ha- you've had loads of discussions. I've heard... Um, you on loads of mornings with different people of how they were affected and just mm. how they felt that they couldn't grieve properly and I suppose it's one thing that the Irish do very mm. well is you know we we have that grieving process in place and you know just even if you were going to sh- um, share your sympathies with families of loved ones even for the people that were going that wanted to console them mm. you aren't able to even put your arms around them or no. shake hands and no. That's just a very hard thing to do. I I do know in the later stages there, I was even at a, a funeral myself and all of the family were wearing gloves. So you could actually, you know, you sanitised on the way in. You were able to shake their hand and kind of give them a squeeze and it was up to you to sanitise on the way out. So mm. that was something. But in the height of it, yeah. um, it was shocking, you know, and yeah. it was very hard on people. So this is just something that, that we in okay. A2 are doing in Cork tomorrow. Okay. All right. Uh, that's 12 o'clock tomorrow. There's Mass in the Sacred Heart Church out there in Western Road, uh, and then after that, you don't have to go to, to the Mass, obviously. If you want to go, you can. Then afterwards, I walk out uh, the leaf fields. Thank you, Becky, for that. That's organised by by Ain Two. There were two horses. Thanks, Kayla. There were two horses loose on the Link Road from the Kinsale Road roundabout to the Douglas Slip Road across from Vernon Mount. That is a desperately dangerous place for horses to be on the loose. Just on masks and whether people will continue to wear them, even though the mandate will be lifted. Uh, Mary Jane says, I will still wear it anyway. Terry says, I probably won't wear it in every situation, but I will keep one with me in case of crowds and things. Uh, Masks and hand sanitizer should remain mandatory forever in shops, stores and restaurants while you're away from the table. I would keep wearing a mask. What's the point if someone behind me in the line is coughing all over the place. And John says, I feel like Mel Gibson in the last scene of Braveheart. And never take off. And I'm that one. I know. I know the one. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-96-96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. A sense there might be quite a turnout if the weather holds for that little event tomorrow. Lovely idea from N2. Well done. That's from Adele. Thanks to 96FM for giving Becky an opportunity to speak. It's vital for all of us to look back and to acknowledge the legacy of covid before we face the future. That's from Rosari. I just want to commend AN2 for organising that. I'm not an AN2 supporter or a voter, but at least someone's doing it. We lost our baby and went to a CMUMH service run along similar lines. What I can say is there is healing in it. It's beautiful to share communal grief. I hope it's highly attended. The way deaths were handled during the pandemic caused an awful lot of pain. So 12 o'clock tomorrow, Mass, if you want to go to Mass, Mass at the Sacred Heart Church there at the end of the Western Road. Be careful when you're parking. In that car park, it's lethal for clamping and other such things, so make sure that you pay. And then the walk along the leaf fields afterwards. After Mass. 0818 96 96 96. I remember a number of years ago, I couldn't put the exact year upon it, but I took a call here on the Opinion Line from a woman called Ursula and her name sticks in my head her name was Ursula and she wanted to tell me how her life but not just her life the life of her entire family had been affected by something that I had heard of but knew nothing about it was Lyme's disease or Lyme or Lyme's comes and goes across various different some people call it Lyme some people call it Lyme's caused by a tick bite and Ursula is in t- her entire family had been affected by Lyme's disease and it had manifested itself in many different ways throughout the family many different symptoms and I knew nothing about it and it be, when we talked to Ursula the response was enormous, even a friend of mine messaged me to say I have that and I think I'm going to go blind from it so we developed a huge interest here in it on the opinion line, Avril uh, and Anne are going to talk to me about it today because it didn't go away, you know, with COVID-19. Uh, i bring in, am I going to Anne or Avril first, Fiona? Just let me know in my ear. In Avril first. Okay, Avril McDonald. Avril, good morning to you. Hi, DJ. How are you? Good. Now, you have Lyme's disease. How long have you had it and how does it affect you? Um, a long, long time. Um, I think I got bitten when I was about 17 at the time, I didn't really know. And then as the years kind of went on, kind of symptoms were building and then kind of hit the end of the mid to late 20s. I started getting really, really sick and I got diagnosed then. And I'm still not well. I have received treatment in Ireland and abroad, but I'm still not right. What kind of treatment have you got? Have you, given, have you been to Dr. Lambert, for example? Yeah, I have. And he was the one who diagnosed me. Um, I went through treatment with him. Um, I did have a number of different um, supplemental, I did antibiotic treatment, I did, um, and then I went, I went to Germany as well and I got stem cells. So I kind of did an array of different treatments. Um, I have improved slightly, but nothing significant. And in what ways does it affect you? Well, I think number one for me, um, the main symptom is that crushing fatigue. It's just it's insane. It's like um, it's like you have the flu mixed with being hungover, mixed with that you haven't slept in days. It's that it. I never knew what tiredness was until kind of getting this fatigue. 
and um, that would be my main and then I have pain at joint pain then it just affects you like your head can be real fuzzy it's just it can be very much multi-systemic and you know for me I can kind of wax and wane mm. if I push myself I will kind of fall flat on my back but I think it line can affect people kind of in different ways but for me the crushing fatigue is the worst if, like I said I can live with the pain yeah. but the crushing fatigue is like if I could get that's gone. Yeah. It would be amazing, but that's what kind of controlled me, do you know? I know. And before you got the diagnosis from, from mm-hmm. Dr. Lambert, like, what did you think was going on? How did your doctors, your GP, for example, what did they say to you? Um, well, I'm a scientist, and for me, when I started getting sick, um, when I started getting really, really sick, I was like, I need answers. So, I was always passionate about trying to get answers. I worked in the hospital. It's like, right, I'm going to get my blood done. I'm going to see if anything comes up. And nothing came up in the routine blood. Um, I had a very, very good GP. Um, I'm from Dublin. I lived in Dublin at the time. And now I'm Cork. But I had a very young GP. And he respected me. And I respected him. And I said, this one, I'm not well. He's like, right, we just looked it down. And we'll go through an array of different disciplines take off as we go it's basically a, a kind of eradicating first what i don't have so i kind of went around different disciplines and um, i went to neurology went to rheumatology everything and it kept coming up with like everything's fine your blood is fine your chest is fine mri is clear so they're kind of ruling out the likes of ms um, and any other things kind of really sinister and then I kind of like through digging myself and my mom was digging as well that we came across Dr. Lambert in in the Manor Hospital and he was kind of looking into people with that kind of chronic fatigue. And I went to him and he basically he, he just took one look at me and he was like and here my story was like, Okay, I, I pretty much know what you have, but do a few tests and some co infections came back and then he started treating me and then he did another test and it confirmed the line. And um, had you ever me, heard of Lyme's disease at that stage, ever? No, and even like I did a lot of kind of medical science in, in college and a lot of of infection, and we never, I never heard of Lyme. Um, and then it's only when we started digging, I kind of came across numbers that I kind of was kind of reading up and hearing people similar stories, mainly abroad. And then I kind of like came in to talking to Lyme support groups in Ireland. Then I started getting educated on it. And then I think with PowerPoint, you just yeah. really read into it. Like It is a fascinating um, infection from a scientific point of view. But when you have it, you do want to know everything there is yeah. to know to educate yourself. And I'm sure you know? there were times when you were very frightened, wondering what the hell is wrong with me and no one oh, could yeah. find anything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, definitely. Because first of all, when I got sick when I was 17, and um, I got told it was in my head. It was just anxiety, depression, the range of what I did in my immune search. So I was kind of, antidepressants were fired at me. And then, like, as the years went on and I was in college, and the fatigue kept building, and I just kind of fogged a lot. It's nothing like now. I can see all the symptoms building over the years. Yeah. But, yeah, like, you kind of, like, you get yourself go, is it just me? Is this one I'm like? Am I the person who's all tired? Yeah. Then you kind of go, okay, it's an on in my head. And then you're like, no, like nobody knows their own bodies like you do. So if something, if alarm bells are ringing, you're kind of like, no, there's something. And I remember at the time when I was working in the lab, I worked with a lot of doctors 
And one that I was really close to was like, listen, if you're being stopped off, if you're being told, it's kind of like, I'm just kind of pain or it might be fibre or it might be chronic fatigue. There's always a reach problem. Yeah. And dig and dig and dig yeah. to get answers. And that's what really motivated me to get answers. Like there's always a reason why someone is feeling yeah. the way no, they did. No, nothing just happens. Stay there for me, Avril. I'm going to bring in mm-hmm. uh, Anne Maher, who is the administrator of Lime Chat era. It was only within a few days of talking to Ursula, I was introduced to a Facebook group called TikTok and and, and this, the, the numbers of people um, and affected nationwide is huge. Good morning. Hi PJ. Um, thank you for having this, uh, discussing this subject again. And I remember your interview with Ursula actually. Um, um, yeah, I I was admin on TikTok uh, for some years, and uh, my husband died in 2017, so I took a step back, yeah. and I got so many queries from people just looking to have a chat or to have you know someone a shoulder to lean on. I set up that little Facebook page, Lime Chat Era, and we have 620 people there now. How, yeah. how has and, Lyme uh, affected you, Anne? How long do you have it? Um, <clears throat> it's a long story, PJ. Um, I was a fit and healthy person, did the mini marathon in 95, and I went to my nephew's wedding that September. And I hadn't been feeling well before I travelled home, and then I was so fatigued, I said, God, is this jet lag, or n- no one ever said it was this bad. Um and I was just flattened. I wasn't able to get out of the bed. I, you know, in your head when you wake up, you think you're fine, and then you go to sit up and get out, and you just have to lie down again. Um, uh, like I'd force, we had forced school going children at the time, and you'd be trying to make an effort, and I just didn't know what was going on. And I had small giant pain and every sort of breathlessness and everything and then in the start of 97 I got well they called it Bell's palsy but to be honest I call call it facial paralysis because I still have it it has it's a permanent thing with me sometimes people get it and they recover after a few months but I still have have it um and I was, looked at the shopping list of symptoms were growing and growing and my GP was absolutely wonderful trying to do research to find out what was up. And by chance, one Sunday night, he saw a documentary about Lyme disease on BBC and he phoned me the next morning, come straight into him. And he'd done all the tests and of course they were negative and he referred me to an infectious disease uh, person in Dublin. Um, my tests were negative, so they told me I didn't have Lyme disease. Right. Even though uh, Bell's palsy is one of the more serious um, neurological symptoms of Lyme disease. Right. Yeah, so um, in 2003, I borrowed money in the credit union, and my family and friends had a whip around, and I went to see this doctor in Switzerland who I had heard through an English support group was Lyme literate. So I went there and I had tests done in Basel Hospital, uh, had a brain scan and it was at high risk of stroke. Wow. Uh, and she, and the doctor done tests in Switzerland, Germany and the States. And um, I had vasculitis 
on my brain or in my brain where you've, you say it, uh, had Lyme disease and mycoplasma fermentants, which is kind of a native co-infection to New Jersey where I was. Mm-hmm. So um, to be honest, I, I'm a sort of lucky, even though I'm not, I'm not 100%. I mean, I'm an OAP now and um, that's a long time ago, but I'm able to manage yeah. But only for my GP, he followed uh, guidance from that doctor in Switzerland would prescribe him meds and everything and and just got me back on my feet a bit. So, so yeah. how are you so, now? I mean, do you still have a legacy from this? I do. And like uh, I've had acute renal failure over the years. I've been diagnosed with costochondritis, myositis, and I have vertigo and balance, and balance issues, which I get now and then. All, um, caused, yeah, all um, caused by a tick yeah. bite when you went for a walk and, and around the time of the wedding. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's the crane, my cranial nerves are inf- inflamed and that's to just flare up every so often, you know. That must be very painful. Uh, it is, and then my face and my throat swell up. So um, this GP, before before he retired, he decided to um, try a low-dose antibiotic. So mm. that's what I'm doing now to keep it try- yeah. under control yeah. because he couldn't he couldn't be responsible if I got that throat swelling in my sleep and I didn't wake up. And the thing you is, know what, I mean? what we now know through through the work of, of, of the brilliant Dr. Lambert in Dublin is that if it's caught Absolutely. early enough, you just throw antibiotics That's at it. it. And you can, you can That's actually it. make and it pe- go away. And people can get back to work and there's no help. Like There's no supports. There's no nothing. Yeah. No knowledge of it. And, and I met Dr. Lambert for the first time in 2016 at a conference in Port Leash that he came to and to be honest, um, I hadn't, I'm not his patient, I hadn't met him before then. But we've had umpteen meetings, Aractus meetings, and meeting with a particular health minister in 2015, and junior minister, yeah. um, you know, and conferences and awareness rallies outside Leinster House. And to be honest, I have a letter in front of me, and it is from, it was a, a PQ from 2005 when Mary Harney was Minister for Health. And the question was asked by Sean O'Farrell. I think he's our county caller now. He's the county caller at the moment, yeah. Yeah, and nothing. After all them years, um, nothing. Okay. Now, just, I'm going to let you both go, but, and you're there, and Avril, you're listening. Like, you're not alone. There are hundreds of people like you. And how does it... Hundreds. Thousands. Avril, does it make it any easier to know that? Or does it make you angry that more isn't being done? Bit about like it's nice that we have a community there, but it's uh, it does make it angry like you just hear like I I just don't stop hearing after new cases people going through exactly what we go through, yeah. and it's just people shouldn't go through this. We shouldn't have to yeah. keep fighting when we're so ill to use our voice to get ourselves heard and now get other people who are sure. ill in going through what we went through. Okay. For them to be heard, it's just not right. Like you feel really let down and failed by the okay. system, basically. You know. Okay, Avril and Anne, Avril McDonald uh, and Anne Maher. I leave you there. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, we both mentioned, we all mentioned, Professor Jack Lambert, who we got to know very well during the pandemic, of course, a regular on the opinion line. But before that, the first time he was ever on the opinion line was when we tracked him down, uh, Fergal tracked him down, and we spoke to him first. He would be considered, would Professor Jack Lambert, the leading expert in the treatment of Lyme in the whole of Ireland. And in fact, he's a man who on his own, virtually on his own, is changing lives with his treatment of Lyme. And uh, for this programme, I've been speaking with Jack... Dr. Lambert, when I first spoke to you on the opinion line about Lyme disease, a number of years ago now, pre-pandemic, you said to me that the health system, in your view, was well behind the curve. Do you still hold that opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's very little recognition of Lyme disease. I mean, most most doctors that I, I encounter say, oh, you know, does Lyme exist in Ireland? You know, many of them say, well, it's only in America is not in Europe and is in Europe and then they're not aware that there are ticks in Ireland or they're not aware that ticks carry bacteria you know uh, including Lyme disease so there's a there's there's a huge you know kind of educational need to upscale the skills and understanding of the medical community on tick-borne infections and the most serious obviously is Lyme disease which is caused caused by a tick bite. Hmm. Does there appear to be uh, some resistance to accept the, the situation? Yeah, there really is, you know, and that's, that's, that's the confusing part, you know. It's more than an infectious disease. It's, it's, it's almost a, a political thing, you know, in lots of ways. Or, a, you know, if, if a patient comes and 
says, I think I've got Lyme disease. I, I mean, uh, the, the, the medical practitioner, in my experience, often just refuses to do a Lyme test or puts the patients who think they've got Lyme disease into that crazy bin. They must be crazy because they think they have Lyme disease. So, yeah, it's beyond an infectious disease. There's, there's issues beyond that. And that's my experience of the patient's experience, have really bad experiences when, when they raise the issue of Lyme disease uh, to, to many consultants and, and GPs. Every time we discuss it on the programme, Jack, we're inundated with people saying, is that what's wrong with me? I've been sick on and off for a very long time. We, we were shocked to, to, to discover the, the extent of it out there when we first began to, to speak about it. It's strange that, the, that the, the system doesn't seem to recognise it yet. I assume that during the pandemic, uh, things got worse for people. Well, I think it is because people weren't in care, but also people were told, you know, stay out of the city, stay out, stay, you know, stay away from other people. So a lot of more people went out into the country, out into, you know, the areas exactly where the ticks were. And I think there's probably been an upsurge in people being bitten by ticks because they've been actually out in the community, um, in, in, in communities where, you know, ticks are prevalent. Yeah. And then global warming. I mean, things have changed in the last number of years. So so there's a longer seasons for ticks to survive. Animals are living closer to, you know, closer to humans. So I think, the, the, I mean, the story is, is that, I mean, tick-borne infections are increasing all over the world uh, for lots of reasons, and prob- including global warming and inclu- including the COVID pandemic. Yeah, because as you said, I mean, we were encouraged to get out into nature, to get out into the country, to walk and people went to woodlands and meadows and no doubt hundreds, if not more people, uh, got bitten. For for some of them it was fine, but for others, they're sick and they don't know why they're sick. Yeah, and that's a challenge. It's like, like, like I mean, I, I talk to doctors and, you know, I, or I talk to patients who have talked to doctors and they say, well, you can't have Lyme disease, you never saw a tick. Well, ticks are the size of a sesame seed. 15% of people remember a tick bite. The next thing they say is that, oh, you never had this classic bullseye rash. Well, studies have shown 30 to 70% of people get the rash, not 100%. And then finally, the antibody test, you know, if you look at the studies, it only picks up between, you know, 30 and 70% as well. So, so what's reported to the government is a tiny number of cases. Yeah. Um, but actually, the numbers that actually are out there in Ireland are probably 10 to 20 times higher than reported numbers. So, the government reports 20 cases a year. There's probably, our calculations, 2,500, wow. not, you know, two, not, not 20. But if you don't remember, see the tick, you don't see the rash, you don't have a positive antibody, then you're, you've got pain all over, you're given a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, you've got funny neurological stuff, the neurologist can't figure it out, they come up with a term, functional neurological disorder, which means to me, you're making it up, or they've got chronic fatigue syndrome. Well, you know, people with long COVID have chronic fatigue syndrome, but they don't have chronic fatigue syndrome. But they're fatigued because of they got COVID mm. and they've got brain damage. The same thing with Lyme disease. I don't think it's satisfactory just to give somebody a diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome. There has to be a reason for somebody who was a superstar one year before, who all of a sudden has chronic fatigue syndrome. There has to be a reason for this, mm. not just give them a label of chronic fatigue and saying, get over it, it can't be Lyme disease. Mm. Is there a definitive test that, that should be used? 
one. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. You know, if you get COVID, you, you, you stick a swab up your nose, you get a PCR test. A PCR test or an antigen test indicates active viral replication. There is no test like that for Lyme disease because mm. the, the, the bacteria is deep down in the tissues. You can't do a piece, you know, you can't biopsy somebody's brain or somebody's joint or this or that. So you're dependent upon antibody tests and antibody tests don't always show positive. So that's the challenge. So, so that, that's where the debate is, I think, in many situations. But even situations when somebody gets a classic tick bite, and they get a classic rash, this bullseye rash. You know, I just saw a case this week. The GP says, oh, you've got the rash, um, but if you, wait until you develop symptoms. Well, you don't need to wait until you develop symptoms. If you've got a rash, that means that the bacteria is in your skin. You should go on antibiotics. But GPs, this particular GP, didn't prescribe the antibiotics. Then the patient gets pains all over their body and their neck. And they went to the GP and they said, well, we'll now wait for the antibody test to come back. And the antibody test was negative. So the GP did it wrong at three different stages there. So some GPs are great, but I think there's an... Uh, but, but this particular GP I'm mentioning... Well, actually, it was in the UK. I, I saw a patient from the UK this week. Missed it totally. And it was a year later. The patient was just devastated because it was a missed diagnosis. And it's curable with antibiotics. And, and the, the longer it's left undiagnosed and untreated, the more damage it's doing, correct? Absolutely. And, and, and if, if the, the U, Irish guidance is Lyme disease is easy to diagnose, it's easy to treat, and even if you don't treat it, it spontaneously goes away. I mean, this is the comments that I've seen made. It's wrong. Mm. Yeah, there's data coming out now from Johns Hopkins and elsewhere that this is it's like long COVID. It, if you don't treat it, it causes this inflammatory immunological condition. It's a miserable condition for people. And, and when you don't see any abnormal results, eventually doctors will kind of put you in the you must be crazy because you've come to see me too many times. Your symptoms don't make sense. So it's, it's really hard for patients to, mm. to, to have to deal with this kind of stuff. I, if I was a patient, you know, and I got the summer flu, uh, you know, I think that, and the GP just says, get over it. And then a year later, I'm, I'm out of work riddled in pain. And I'm being told I'm seeking, you know, care uh, for psychiatric reasons. I mean, that's, that's really hard for patients to handle. I think it makes mm. more sense for the healthcare providers to say, you know, we know there's something wrong. We'll continue to work with you to, to figure it out rather than saying all your tests are normal. There's nothing wrong with you mm. and give you a label that doesn't fit. Is it still yourself, uh, Dr. Lambert, plowing a loan furrow, if you like, in, in this, in Ireland? Well, I think it is because, like I said, I mean, I've done my homework in this. And like I said, Lyme is not easy to diagnose. It's not easy to treat. And it does persist for years and years. And the, the guidelines say just treat for a couple of weeks, but not everybody gets better with a couple of weeks. Sometimes people need longer courses of treatment. And, you know, most of my colleagues say, oh, there's no evidence that longer treatment works. But we treat every other infectious disease for as long as it takes to get people better. But with Lyme disease, like, you know, that, that people just say, you've had your treatment, we can't give you more. So, yeah, so it is a challenge. And, but there is new data coming out from America, which is good. Mm. Um, on because people have not funded and resourced and studies Lyme disease, but there's changing in America. Private, you know, um, foundations have started funding big institutes like Stanford and Johns Hopkins and Columbia University and Tulane University. And they're coming out with a lot of information that really support the fact that, it, you know, better diagnostics, 
the fact that it is hard to diagnose, the fact that it can persist for years and years, the fact that there's other infections besides Lyme disease that you get from a tick bite. So there's good data coming out um, that really support the patients that you're seeing that are saying, you know, I'm sick, I'm unwell, I'm miserable, and the medical profession is just saying that I'm making it up. But there's good scientific data coming out saying that these patients have real illnesses mm. and there's lots of scientific data coming out to support it. So I think things will change in the next couple of years. Here's hoping. Um, you must be relieved to be able to get back to something that you're so passionate about, like uh, Lyme disease, after uh, a couple of very long and hard years with COVID. And before I let you go, I just want to, to, to um, ask you about the decision uh, from Neffet uh, communicated to the government that it's time to go easy on the masks, as it were, that they're now a guidance rather than, than mandatory. What's your view on that, Doctor? Well, I think the first message is we've pushed the vaccines so far. Vaccines, vaccines will prevent the end all and then people will be able to throw away the masks. You know, these vaccines prevent severe disease. They don't prevent people from being infected. The things that prevent people from being infected are masks and hand washing. So um, I think that's really an important message. I know healthcare workers with three vaccinations who, who have had two episodes of COVID in the last two months, okay? So you're still catching COVID. They're not that sick from it, but they're out of work for 10. They've been out of work for almost a month, you know. So vaccines prevent serious disease. So that's good news. That got us through the last couple of years. But now moving forward, um, you take, if you're going to take your mask off and just throw caution to the wind, you're going to catch COVID. And you're going to get sick. And you, and you may get long COVID with all the symptoms that patients with, you know, chronic Lyme get. You know, long, I call it long Lyme, long COVID. Um, so, so you can do that, but, but I'm going to continue to wear a mask. Mm. Now, I don't think, I, I agree that maybe it shouldn't be legislated, but I just think common sense is wear a mask. You don't want to get sick. You don't want to be out of, your kids out of school, you out of a job, you know, for months and months, or maybe get long COVID, you know, from getting recurrent infections. And then on top of that, you don't, I, I wouldn't want to be coughing on a bus and spreading it to other immunocompromised people. So I just think the message should be is that use common sense, you know, continue to use a mask um, or take your chances. All right. Dr. Lambert, thank you as always for being with us on The Opinion Line. It's always a pleasure. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, Professor Jack Lambert, based at uh, Matter Hospital and the UCD School of Medicine. Just talking about COVID there at the very end, but uh, he would be the leading authority and the leading doctor uh, treating Lyme disease in Ireland. 0818 96 96 96. His clinic is just booked solid, but you can can contact him. if you want to, uh, whether whether you can get to see him or not, I don't know. He's always very busy with it, but that's right. <clears throat> not all doctors are helpful for me. The journey was traumatic. I just about lost hope before I met Dr. Lambert. Imagine at 27 thinking you're going to die and being okay with it because your symptoms are so bad and no doctor will help you. Thanks to highlight this issue. Best wishes from Katie. Okay, 0818 96 96 96. Uh, We've a couple of storm updates. Power out in the Ahada and Rostellan area. A tree down on the Cove Photo Road just at Marina Point. 
There were two trees down on the road going into Kinsale, just beyond the Millwheel Bar. If you're coming in from halfway, please slow down. It is passable, but please slow down, says Maureen. Uh, Anne says, most of us Lyme disease patients don't remember getting bitten or even seeing a tick. Yeah, I think uh, the, the good doctor was saying that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Comedian Dermot Whelan has announced a Cork date for his unique stress-busting show, Mindful. A certified meditation teacher, Dermot comes to the Everyman Cork on Sunday, March 20th with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. 31 years since the release of their seminal debut album, Immigrants, Emigrants and Me, Power of Dreams released a long-awaited Auslander last year and are now following it up with an Irish tour that takes in Cypress Avenue on Sunday, March 13th. Tickets are on sale now for the show from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Now, Fiona, you were talking yesterday about the boiled water notice that's in place in East Cork. So just before I take Sinead's call, maybe you'll bring me up to speed the whole thing. It's been there since last Christmas I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been going on now for a long time, PJ. We were contacted on the show here during the week by a local resident who's just absolutely sick and tired of the whole thing and she said that you know, residents are so frustrated that in a lot of cases they can't even wash their fruit so they don't even buy it anymore and with the soaring costs of electricity and they're boiling kettles all the time and it's just really annoying for everybody out there. Um, And it's affecting over nine and a half thousand customers. Now we did get a statement from from Irish Water and I read some of that yesterday when I was talking to uh, Owen uh, about how it's affecting people and they said that basically they need to invest in a new uh, water treatment plant in Whitegate and that Mm. this is going to take some time Uh, so in the meantime they are. They did apologise for the inconvenience caused and they are trying to rectify it. But I think a lot of the locals were saying to us that what happens is even when the boil water notice is lifted, if there's any kind of heavy rainfall at all, then it's mm. back in place again um, due to pollution. So um, it's, yeah, it's like Owen was talking to me on air yesterday and he was just talking about how frustrating it is. And after that conversation, we were contacted by Sinead, yeah. who is also a local out in Whitegate. All right, I'll talk to him just a second. Thanks, Fiona, for bringing us up to speed. Yeah, 9,500 people affected. Whitegate, Ahada, Churchtown, Ballycotton, Saline, Shinnegarry, Banakura, uh, areas of Cloyne. Heavy rainfall is a problem. And that lengthy statement from from Irish Water, which we did get. Now, Sinead, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on and for um, highlighting the issue yesterday, because obviously it's been going on now for years. We're here in Whitegate about 10 years. Yeah. And, like, from, I can see posts on Facebook as far back as 2016 about boil water notices. So we've obviously had, there's a huge issue there, and the dogs in the street would know by now that uh, it's not fit for purpose. Yeah. 
But yeah. the problem is then is that there's total lack of communication because I was here Christmas Day and I got a text from someone to say to something on Facebook about another boil water notice. So we're finding out through Facebook and obviously family and stuff like that texting. Mm-hmm. So it's just a total lack of communication. And even with that, I got on to counsellor to me um, on the 11th of February or the 11th of January. And she took her about three weeks to get a reply from Irish Water mm-hmm. about what was going on. And, and, basically, and, and, and they have a dedicated line they can call. Yeah, yeah, and like that, we're having to get on to counsellors, we're having to get on to yourself, just to try and get any kind of information at all, because it's just ridiculous at this stage. Like, obviously, counsellor Shumi got back to me and she stated that it was basically, um, any time there's heavy rain, the water gets polluted, and the equipment cannot sufficiently clean yeah. The, the, the wash that's going in there. So You, you sent um, us a, a reply that, that yeah. Danielle got to her question and the issue is with the, the raw water source. In other words, the water that's taken into the plant. River gets very heavily polluted when it rains. Uh, then there's the runoff, they think, from nearby farming land polluting the water. And then the equipment can't clean it sufficiently to make it safe to drink. They've committed to new filters uh, to see if that's sufficient. Uh, but they may need to look at new water sources too. Uh, new equipment due to be installed by the end of Q1, which would be probably by the end of March. And uh, Councillor Toomey staying across it. But it's in place since Christmas Day. Yeah. And like, I suppose un- unless you live under a boiled water notice, you have no idea what it's like. Like you can't even you can't even have a salad. Or no. you can't boil, for example, you couldn't take the Christmas day. Imagine if you had your sprouts on. You literally have to tip them out uh, because yeah. because the water might not be safe. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And even with that, then, with the increase. Yeah, so we have to buy water, obviously, for the, the, the bathroom. We have to buy water for the kitchen. And even with that, then, it's obviously the increase the energy costs and the cost of growth is having to boil the kettle or boil the water. And obviously there's a lot of people on the breadline as well, you know, and being pushed over the edge. And obviously I've often heard people say to you, you know, um, it's either do we eat tonight or do we pay a bill? And I'm like, Yeah, because you know, electricity is going up and every time you boil the kettle, and fair yeah. enough, in, in the average house I suppose the kettle would be boiled, what, three or four times a day. But if you're boiling water every time you need to, to cook vegetables or every time that you need to boil water and let it cool to brush teeth and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then obviously the families with babies and everything like that. Yes, and of You know, and it's it's over nine and a half thousand. This is affecting. And with that, the politicians, there's no sign of any politician or the East Scott politicians yeah. speaking out about it. We've had to get on the radio tube to talk about it because it just, we just, I just feel anyway that we're just forgotten about down here. If it was in Douglas, if it was in Dublin, you know where all the main TDs are. Would it really be happening? Would it be fixed by now? It probably would be. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, it, it must be getting terribly, terribly frustrating at it this is. stage. Like something else, for example, people say, "Well, would you not go out bottled?" And it is bottled water in the likes of Tesco, Super Value, all those bottled water. But water is very cheap. The problem is for something like baby food, it's not as straightforward as that. Exactly. Yeah. And until, as you said, until you're actually in it and we're constantly in it, well, like we had it for 
Halloween. Because remember, we had Halloween, we bought water notice and we had the power cut as well. And then went back into the, the boil water notice at Christmas. But then after Christmas, the weather was really nice and there wasn't a huge amount of rainfall. But we still had the boil water notice. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm. Talk, to, talk to me about, say, typical... Say, say a simple weekend now. Children have to be bathed and washed. Uh, food has to be prepared for Sunday dinner. How many times do you boil the kettle? Oh, about 20 times. At least a day. Just to try, like you boil it in the morning to cool down, so the water will cool down and so we have enough kind of for the morning. And then if I need to, say for lunch or anything like that, if I want to wash some lettuce or anything like that, yeah. you have to use bottled water or boil, the boiled water. Yeah. Um, and even brushing your teeth like my dog it's freeze and I keep having to remind her to make sure she doesn't use the, the tap water because mm-hmm. it's not safe and she's like what's well, safe yeah. and I'm like it's 2022 and the water out of my tap is not safe to drink I just don't think that's okay No, it is not okay Thank you very much for that The line isn't the best so we'll leave it there with you uh, Sinead, thanks very much We had 9,500 people affected by this down in the Whitegate regional supply. The big long statement from Irish Water pretty much explains what's going on, tells us what we already know, tells us what they're doing about it and tells us then how to look after yourself with boiled water. Uh, But it doesn't say it says that the boiled water notice remains in place. It's continuing to work to rectify the issues it goes on about a 25-year strategy, which is that a 25-year strategy to bring back clean water to the people of, of, of East Cork? We don't know. In line with HSE COVID-19 advice, the requirement for frequent hand washing, Irish Water advises the water remains suitable for this purpose and boiling the water is not required for you wash your hands, etc., etc., etc. Oh, and make ice. You need to cool the water first and make some ice. What a way to be living in 2022. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Robert, the taxi driver, is on to say Sacred Heart Church is opposite the CUH. It's the one with a lot of trees leading up to it. You're right and you're wrong, Robert. That's the uh, missions, the South, the SMA Church, directly across the road from CUH. There is a Saint Pat. There is a Sacred Heart Church right at the end of Western Road across there from actually student apartments and there's a great big centre just across the road and there used to be a bank on the corner there just up past the, the Western Gateway building of UCC. There's a church there. But thanks for that, Robert. That would be the Sacred Heart Church, that one as well. Uh, businesses are open. Baldy Barber says open for business and ready to meet our customers. Please do stay safe. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. She's pawing the ground and snorting outside to be let in, to be relieved of more moolah. 
What do you think I'm talking about? The cash cow. <laughs> Coming up between now and midday. Uh, 0818 96, 96, 96 is the number. 083 396 96, 96 is the text of WhatsApp. And of course, opinion at 96fm.ie. The power is out in Clandrohad. Thanks for that. Douglas Street has been closed off. There's falling debris. They think it is slates, but not sure. But Douglas Street currently closed off. If that changes, we'll come back to you. 0818 96 96 96. We covered this story during the week of the fellow being jailed. Uh, Don O'Callaghan was jailed for three and a half years after Cork Circuit Criminal Court heard that he collected his dead parents' pensions for 33 years. Uh, every fortnight into the GPO collected the pension for his dad and his mum who were both dead and the whole thing only came to light due to the incredible work of a guard called Nagel and when it was realised that dad had turned 100 years old and uh, Miggledy was pulling out the checkbook uh, to write him the cheque and someone said hang on a second he's dead so Don O'Callaghan now doing three and a half years for that but um John O'Donovan, you reckon we should let him out of jail? Why? Good morning. No, we're accusing. All right, bye. Uh, um, <laughs> well, I'd like to make three proposals, right? right. The, I think the first one we'd start in here, uh, we'll make uh, Don O'Callaghan the person of the month, right? Then we'll finish that, I think. Well, the second stop, proposal. Stop. Why person of the month, John? Well, no, I'll, I'll get to it if we'll only finish the three, right? The second one is that uh, we would give him the freedom of the city. And the third one is that I would expect Pascal O'Donoghue and Michael McGrath as regards finance to step aside and we'd make Don O'Callaghan the Minister for Finance. Because any guy that will get away with this for 33 years when there was people out there should have picked up on it has my 100% admiration. We come <laughs> back to the first one though. I mean, like, person of the month. Yeah, one thing that happened, like, I mean, this month, so let's go on with that. Like, I mean, you know, there seems to be, that's kind of given over willy-nilly anywhere, so let's give it to Dan, and then we'll move on to the freedom of the city, and the, the third one, the most important one of all, make him Minister for Finance, where in sheer uh, problems financially, the country, over COVID and everything else. So I reckon Dan is the man to get us out of this hole. I mean... It, it, the, the question is, how did he manage to, to do it successfully for 33 years? On a serious note, John, doesn't it expose well, it real does. problems in the... In it, the it does. And listen, I, I, I know of, of a case where there was a guy inside in Cork prison and his door was still being collected. So that will tell you that the Department of Social Welfare and the Department of Justice like, were not communicating. Because yeah. once a person goes into jail, any benefits immediately, but this was still being drawn. I, know. I heard that one too a couple of years ago. Look, it was it was still a crime, even though it was amazing he got away with it. It was an absolute. Thanks, John. Good to catch up. I covered court for the bones of fifteen years, and Fiona covered court for pretty much the same as me. And I don't think ever I came across a case so fascinating than that one in the last few days. An absolutely amazing case. How he managed to do it. The, in, the levels of intrigue. Honest to God, you couldn't write it for a James Bond film. 
a great story, but a crime nonetheless. But John O'Donovan wants to make him the Minister for Finance. <laughs> Speaking of politics, I don't know who you are, but you're a very nice person, a very kind person. PJ, did you ever think you'd go into politics? I think you'd do brilliant in government. You listen to people and give the best advice you can. The ones in politics could take a leaf out of your book. Well, thanks, that's John and Mahan. Keep up the good work. John, the, the check is in the post. No, seriously, um, I, should, I've, I don't think I've ever said this on the programme. Maybe I have, it's been a while. A number of years ago, and I think quite a number of years ago, I was approached. I won't say by who. I won't say how the circumstances came about. But I was approached and asked would I be interested in being in entering politics. And I went away and I thought about it and I talked to my family and I talked to my friends who were involved in politics and I came to the conclusion that it wouldn't be for me. But one of the things that I did was I, I contacted an old, old friend of mine, Michael Kelly and Carrie Glenn, I'm looking at you, an old friend of mine who had been instrumental in electing quite a number of people of various hues over the years, particularly in local government. He was he's just one of these guys, if you wanted to get elected and you were a little bit short of a quote of the last time, you'd get Michael Kelly on your side and you'd get sorted. So I went down and I had a, I had a vodka and coke with Michael and I said, Michael, this has landed on my desk. What do I do? He said, run, run, run away from it, he said. Run away from it. I said, why? He said, you're unelectable. You're completely unelectable. So forget it. So that was my brush with politics. 0818 96 96 96. Right, the clock tower in Yall. Wayne, it's open again uh, for tours. Delighted to see that. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Thank you for having us on the show. It's, it's one of the most iconic symbols that you are, you are entering Yall. You are entering East Cork. Absolutely. I mean, it's the most visible landmark in the centre of Yall. I mean, you know, it, it spans the main street. Um, it has been linked with surrounding landscape and the community like for over 700 years you know what I mean mm. and uh, yeah as we say um, today now or as, as I said during the week now Thursday, Friday and Saturday we're opening for the, um, the, the, the February midterm and visitors can move through the inner stairs of the, the four stories that will be open um, so they can learn about its diverse past uh, the fact that it was a local timekeeper of course that it was a jail and it was also a centre of trade and it was also a family residence. Yeah. Tell me a so, little bit again, about the history of it, uh, Wayne, will you? I will, of course. Um, so basically, um, it was um, before the structure that you see there today, which is known as the Clock Tower, it was known as, as Trinity Castle. And it was basically, um, it was like a gateway to separate um, the north side of the town from the south side of the town, which basically meant that they wanted to separate the Irish from, from the English. So the English had the north side of the town, and it was called King Street. And the Irish had the south side of the town, and it was called um, it was called Common Street, of course. Now you must understand that we were an English garrison town, mm. so um, it started out as Trinity Gate. It was like, as I said, it was a gateway. But what happened was there was a man called um, Blewett that actually uh, decided to set up his merchant quarters there. So he set it up as a, a merchant's quarter, which was like a fortified townhouse. Um, so he would sell all his wares, his, his pewter, his silks and all that, his spices. And actually today, the first floor of the, um, the clock tower is a representation of his office. So you have all the, the wares that are there, the stuff that he sold and all that. So you can actually see that. And it's right. a very kind of a visual and a very stimulus experience. You can smell the spices and things like that, you know. Brilliant. 
Um, yeah, so basically every floor of the clock tower now today represents a different era throughout, throughout history. So again, you go on to the second floor and you have the jail, the old jail, of course, the terrible conditions and, 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 and all that stuff. And uh, the, the stories of all the prisoners that were held there. Um, the third story is actually um, the workings of the clock, which, of course, st- still actually rings today. Yes. So the, the clock is ringing with over 400 years. Just telling us what time it is. Just tell us how, how late we are in the mornings for work, mm-hmm. the usual. <laughs> um, and also, then, the top floor, then, is what, what's known uh, fondly as the McGrath Suite. So that was the family home of John McGrath. Um, and, of course, his, his family, John, John McGrath, lived there back in the, the 40s and the 50s when he was a young boy. And um, he was actually very instrumental in, in helping us with the, the, yeah. the layout of it. You know and what is I mean? it so all open to the public now? Um, it, it'll go up to the public now on uh, uh, Thursday coming, um, the 24th of February. It'll be open Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Right. Um, uh, the first tour will be 10 a.m. and the last tour will be 4 p.m. Now, that, there'll be tours every, every hour. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, now, just to give you a small bit of history, PJ, if you don't mind there, um, Yarl Heritage Tours, which is what um, would be the, um, the booking office, and basically Yarl Heritage Tours was set up as the flagship of tourism in Yarl. Sure. And it's the main, the main ticket office uh, for the clock tower, but it's also the main ticket office for St. Mary's Collegiate Church and for Ewood venues. So basically Yarl Heritage Tours looks after these um, attractions for Cork County Council. Fantastic. And do they have a website or a Facebook? Um, we have a Facebook. We have a Facebook for the Clock Tower. We have a Facebook for um, St. Mary's Collegiate Church. Um, uh, basically, yeah, we have a Facebook page for Yall, Her- for Yall Heritage Tours. So if you want to check out yall.ie, which is a good one. Um, so basically, um, yeah, as I said, those three, um, those three venues are looked after by Yall Heritage good. Tours. Well, I must tell yeah. you, in terms of Yall, uh, Wayne, I don't get there half often enough, but I, yeah. for years uh, I used to go down there without fail on a St. Patrick's Day because oh, yes, I yes. loved your parade. And I often yes, wondered about the clock tower, could you get up into it? Oh, yeah, well, you can now, and I'll tell you now, you're more than welcome. We'll roll out the red carpet for you or any of your crew down now any time. <laughs> Just right. give us a ring. I must come down for a look around. Wayne, thank you. The All Clockgate Tower, open and organised by Yall Heritage Tours. That That's fascinating. I must, take a, I must definitely take a wander down there sometime soon. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Godwin was on the show yesterday with Fiona, talking about his son's passport, for which he applied a year ago. He's just been in touch. He said, I'm in shock. My son's passport came this morning. It's obvious someone has been trying to be funny or trying to be wicked. In under 24 hours, my passport has been sent. Thanks for all the support. Isn't that great? Isn't that just great? Nice one, Godwin. 0818-969696. Right, let her in. Let her in. The Cork's 96FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Yeah, thousands and thousands of euro to give away the Cork's 96FM Cash Cow. You know the drill at this stage. You got the password this morning from KC and Ross and all across the day comes your chance to play I'm not going to give you the password again and when you come on air I'm not going to ask you for the password because we wouldn't like to be any doing any spoilers 
You can get it through Instagram if you check out our Instagram. You might just find it there if you're lucky. It's the Quarter 96 m Cash Cow with Matt and Point. Catch a movie. Explore over 60 stores and shop till the cows come home on Thursday and Friday. More deets, mahanpointsc.ie. Of course, it's only on Cork's 96 FM. The big rule of the game, if the cow moves, you lose. Right now, I want someone to play Cash Cow with me. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork's 96FM Cash Cow. With Man Point. For fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Right to Balancholic we go. Suzanne... Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. You know how this goes, don't you? I do. You I know do the indeed. golden rule, don't you? I do. What is the golden rule? <laughs> take, as, take as much as you can before <laughs> you get moving. <laughs> if the cow moves, you lose. So we're going to let the clock go and you'll hear various amounts of money. Every time okay. you hear an amount of money, I'll ask you if you want to stop and you can take the money or you can hold out for a while, see if there more but if the cow moves, you lose, Suzanne. Shall we roll the clock? We will. Let's, let's go. do it then. 250 euro. What you want to do? You want to stop? You want to stop or go? 250 euro. Yeah. Yeah, I'll stop at 250. You're going to stop at 250. All right. Yeah. That's, 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 that's grand. Stop at 250. <laughs> I'd be afraid he'd keep dropping. Well, now. We can find out. Okay, we, let's we, find out. You want to find out where he might have gone, do you? Do. Do you want to? Do you really want to find out where he might have gone? Oh God! Yeah. I do. Go on. Okay. Well, we let. Here's where he might have gone. Five hundred euro. <laughs> he <Ooh>. had five. <laughs> But so you got, you got 250 euros, so. you got 250 exactly. alright so I took 50 more than what I made the phone call <laughs> ain't, so. that, ain't that our latest winner on the cash cow back to you Fiona Susanna Sullivan Balancholic have a good weekend now with 250 euros and don't you. lose too much sleep about the fact that it was a half it was I, it was 500 and you didn't have it cheers Suzanne thanks for that 0818969696 Simon will have uh, another player this afternoon Hang around a bit. Don't just jump on the first bit of money. Because there might be more in there. But if the cow moves, you lose. If we've covered one lockdown project, we've covered 101. And they're still continuing. And it was great because when we had nothing else to do and could do nothing else and couldn't go out... Some people sat and watched the telly and read books and, and, and there was no harm in that. Others got stuck into something they'd wanted to do for a long time. Uh, one of those is Cathy the Culinary Kilt. And you've just brought a book out, Cathy, called Eat, Eat with the Seasons. And I want to know more. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Thanks this, for having me on. Good. This was your lockdown project. 
Yes, it, it was indeed. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm passionate about promoting the areas of well-being and sustainability. So during lockdown, I suppose like everybody, we had, um, you know, we were presented with two things. One with having kind of more time in our hands and the other is uh, was really, I suppose, having space away from, you know, loved ones and family and friends. So with having the space and time, I, I decided to put the head down and um, write a book. <laughs> Eat with the seasons. What do you mean by that? So Eat with the Seasons, the, the book um, is themed with um, seasonal eating in mind as a seasonal approach um, towards the, the way we're consuming our food. Um, it's split into the spring, summer, autumn, winter seasons. Um, and there is a season for food. Um, having grown up in a farm, I, 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 I suppose in ways I was privileged um, you know, to witness the way food is actually produced using, you know, a farm to kind of table ethos. And mm. um, so, and I say privilege because not unfortunately everybody has that privilege. Um, you know, like access to food can can be a challenge for for some people, which I'm I'm very kind of conscious and aware of. Yeah, well, in terms of the seasonal element of it too, like we. we... Those of us who haven't, like you said, have the, had the, the privilege of growing up around a farm mm. and stuff, you know, we think it's normal that you can get raspberries in November, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's not, and and it's the same with meat as well. Um, you know, fruit and vegetables have a season, but equally, meat has a season as well. Um, so the book kind of, I suppose, goes through that. Um, and you know, the the way I kind of designed and, and laid it out is that. You know, whenever you you get your hands on the book, you can actually start um, it in the season that you're in. So you can, you know, you don't necessarily have to start it in, you know, the spring. You can. It, it depends on when you actually, um, you know, have the book in your hand. You can actually start it from that point. Mm. It's kind of written in in that way as such. So, I mean, this is the middle to end of February, coming into the start of March, spring, start of spring. What 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 yeah. are the best things to be eating now to have in the larder to have in the fridge? Um, so in terms of spring, you know, there's lots of options in terms of um, you know kind of foods. Um, depending on you know, I suppose um, you know the the you know the region that you're in, but really you know at the moment, kind of your rhubarbs. Um, you've got your your lamb as well, you know your your spring lamb. Mm. Um, if you, if you're a meat eater, um, asparagus or or wild garlic as well is is starting mm. to come out. Um, so there's kind of a lot of things, you know, really, um, you know, kind of staples that that you can um, work with. And like if you aren't currently, you know, eating those foods, um, it just may introduce you and make you kind of more aware mm. that those foods are in season at the moment. Another part of doing this, of course, Cathy, is that your belief is that eating seasonally according to what is local and, and homegrown as best as possible, that it's actually better for us. Yeah, and and like I, I always use the analogy, I, I suppose, of, you know, um, uh, you know, a point with a point of, you know, for, for people that may be, um, you know, kind of stouter Guinness drinkers, um, they always say the shorter the line, 
the better the point. <laughs> um, so uh, like I would always use that analogy in terms of our food as well. So the closer that we um, we source our foods, um, the better it is actually for our overall well-being mm-hmm. and, and ultimately our overall kind of health in general. Um, so like there last year during lockdown, I actually adopted a local beehive here in, in North Cork. Um, and I get honey now from that beehive that I've adopted locally in the area. It's it's only within a fifteen mile radius of my house. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the close the closer. You know. The so there's lots of things you know that we can kind of actively do. You know, there are things out there. It's a matter of just um, you know kind of being aware of them. So that's really, as I said, why I kind of put the you know the project together, the book, mm-hmm. um, just to introduce people to you know the tips and ideas and and things that they could be starting mm-hmm. to think about if mm-hmm. they haven't you know kind of practical ways really. Now it's also know, a gratitude just... journal as you go along. Yeah, so, um, you know, there's elements there. I've actually developed um, what I call the Celt model. Um, So it stands for the C is to consider the food source. Um, The E is to enjoy and be present. Um, The L is to love your food. And then the T is to take notice of your feelings. So it's really important to, you know, understand how food makes you feel as well. Um, because, you know, unfortunately, not everybody has a good um, positive relationship with it. So it's it's really, you know, in a way, I'm hoping that um, it will positively, you know, I suppose, inspire people as well to, um, you know, kind of, you know, develop their own, um, you know, patterns and, and kind of be able to understand their own um you know, kind of ways around food, okay. Um, really. Okay, okay. Where can we get the book? Um, so um, the book is available on my own website, um, www.theculinarykelt.com. Um, also from my publishers, uh, Book Hub Publishing, and it'll be in um, a selection of bookstores and cafes and food shops throughout Cork um, from next week. Okay, well, wish you well with it and congratulations. Yet another successful lockdown project from an opinion and listener. That's uh, Cathy the Culinary Celt. The book is called Eat With The Seasons and it's available now. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. This came in earlier on talking about the storm and talking about uh, what was open and what was closed and what was working and what was not. Just going to put this out there for, for what it's worth. I think everything seems to have blown over now. Buses are back in the road. Most places are back open again. Uh, schools will be open again on Monday. Was it even necessary to close them? Yes, it probably was for the sake of safety. Can you imagine having a room full of kids sitting with an open window on a morning like this morning? So, no, it was perfectly good sense to close them for the morning. Hi, PJ. I would like to raise a topic with you, which only happened to me last night. Yesterday, I received a text alert from my place of employment warning me about the incoming storm. I worked the night shift, so I had been waiting for some kind of alert. Our first test text read for the day shift not to come into work until after the red alert at 8 o'clock. A decision on the night shift would be made later in the day. Our second test was text was, as the night shift would have already started before the red alert at 3 a.m., we were expected into work. But if we wanted to finish at 2 a.m. and get home before the storm, we could, at our own expense, or in lieu of holidays. Well, that was fair enough. There was also an option to work on after 7, 
as overtime because they wouldn't be left to go home once the red warning began. Now, here's what happened. Once we arrived at 11 o'clock, for want of a better word, we were badgered to work a full shift. I don't blame anyone who did, PJ. They were just working to instructions. It was the people who were making the calls up the line. They were nicely tucked up at home. During the last red weather warning, we were sent home two hours prior to the storm. So it gave everybody ample time, even if they were going long distances. The behaviour this time was very disappointing. Now, you don't say what sector you work in. You don't say where you work, which is fine. But effectively, to be pushed into working a night shift when some people might want to have gone home at two o'clock, that's, that's, that's disturbing. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Right now, Premier League Live back this Saturday on 96fm.ie or on the Cork's 96fm app. Trevor Welsh and the team back, powered by Talk Sport. Live coverage tomorrow of West Ham v Newcastle at 12.30. Arsenal versus Brentford at 3. And Manchester City take on Spurs at half past five. This is assuming all these games go ahead, uh, that there's no damage caused by the storm or anything to any of these games. But that is... That is the schedule. West Ham against Newcastle at half twelve. Arsenal be Brentford at three. And Manchester City take on Tottenham Hotspur at five thirty. The commentary is yours for free on the app. Brought to you by Now, the Premier League Live online with Now. Stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. It's your sport on your terms. You're streaming only the games that matter to you most with Now. And you'll be listening Saturday on 96fm.ie or on the Cork's 96fm app. If you go onto the app, open it up, you go down, scroll down, and you'll see the hit mix, and you'll see the fit mix, and then you'll see Premier League Live, and that's where you'll find it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, she wasn't sharing anything with me the other day when she came on about her impending date on First Dates Ireland. How did it go, Effie? Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great. So, Were you watching? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. How did it go? It was great. It was brilliant. We had a great time. Paul was an absolute dose, um, but there was no spark, no chemistry. So, yeah, I had to leave him down gently. Right. Tell me about the whole experience, the whole day, what it was like from start to finish. Oh, it was amazing. Like, you go up there and you're a bag of nervous once you get to, well, I am anyway. I'm fine until I get to a place. And then I'm like, oh, God, how can I know it's real? So I got to the Gibson Hotel and um, get myself ready and the whole lot. And then you're literally just taken into the restaurant. And, yeah, it's all, you don't know anything, like. <laughs> but uh, it was great, a great experience. How how much time do you actually spend there? So you have an hour and a half for your date. Um. So, yeah. They film like the whole 
the whole thing from start to finish and then you see what what you see on the TV it's all edited and yeah it's it's a great experience like I'd definitely recommend for anyone that wanted to do it just go for it like it's a great day out and the food is to die for <laughs> <laughs> well yeah well I know the hotel it is but come here to me I mean you um, we were not go- we're not going to reveal your age unless you want to yourself but this really oh you can <laughs> you go on so tell me how 37 I'm 38 next month <laughs> Happy yep. birthday in advance. But come here to me. You, you you haven't dated in a very long time. No, no. Once uh, once uh, my marriage was finished, I had three years of being sober. And um, yeah, that was it. I was, this was my first actual date after the marriage. So yeah, I gave it a go. Of course, that, that's the right way to do it, isn't it? On live TV. Yeah. But um, <laughs> That's yeah, a few years ago. Because I, mean, I was at your wedding, like, so I know. <laughs> you were. You know exactly, yeah, crazy, like. So you hadn't dated in a while. Is that nervous? I mean, it's hard enough to relax with cameras around you, like. Yeah, I, do you know what? I always say give things a go. You know me, I'm, I'm a go-getter. And yeah. um, I said if I was going to do it, I might as well do it right and do it on TV. And yeah. my first date after the marriage on TV, yeah. But come here, like, you talk about there not being a spark with, 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 with poor old Paul. And that's because he nearly jumped down the cameraman's throat when he was asked about you. I know. I know, I see, I didn't see any of this. Like, I wouldn't see any of that until I'm sat in the uh, last night sitting down watching it, you know, um, because they film us separately after the date to see how we got on. Um, so oh, I didn't know how he well, felt. Stop or... there now a second. I didn't know that. Because it, yeah. it all looks very, it's all synced on television. Yeah, so when you're in when you're in the actual date itself, it's all it's all cameras go, um, and after your date, then you're taken and your your interview is separate to see how you get on, um, with the producer, and then you're brought 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 back into the room together, like, um, and then that's when you reveal whether it's a yes or a no that you want to see the person. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we didn't get to to see, uh, what we what we thought of each other, you know. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the surprise on that on the screen, but um. Yeah, I was like, it was a great date. There just was no chemistry there for me, you know. But I, well, but you, I got a great friend. In. You got what? A great friend in him. Like, yeah, we're going for coffee like now and everything. Ah, yeah. Well, you'll stay in touch. You'll stay in touch. Like. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, I mean, there might not have been a spark, but, the, the, you know, there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't a, oh, go away and leave me alone. Oh, either. God, no. Paul is an absolute dote, like, you know. Mm. And I'm um, sure I might catch him to do a few photographs now as well, seeing as he's a photographer. <laughs> See, this is what I say to you. You'd get your hand anywhere. You'll anywhere. run it. Tanya, Del Boy. Del Boy is not on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, then again, like, in terms of the spark, like, is 90 minutes enough, Effie? Uh, no, probably not, you know. Um, and especially when you don't know the person you're meeting them for the first time, you know. Um but like as I say, I'm meeting him for coffee, and you never know what will come out of it. You know, we'll we'll give him another chance. <laughs> he was he he seemed well smitten. Yeah, he's a dose. He's an absolute dose. Did you meet the other? There was another Carconian there as well, Maria. Did you meet her? I didn't meet Maria, but the day that I was filming, I was with Emma Newman, the girl that was on the first show, okay. and she was from Toker. She was an absolute legend. What a, a legend of a girl! Like she's so lovely. Yeah. So yeah, it's all done sort of in different days, and like we kind of think, we kind of think this all happened in one day, but it was over a very no. long period of time. But at least you, it got, is. you got a friend out of it. I did. I met a few friends out of it. You know, it's great, Good. and um, definitely have, recommend it to might, anyone. You might even have got a personal photographer out of it. 
Exactly, you never know. And who knows, I might be back next year to try again. <laughs> that sounds to me like I've already got the form filled in, if I know you. <laughs> no, definitely not filled in yet. I'm, I'm waiting for the DMs to come in now, you see, after the TV. I'm like, oh, you so, never know. <laughs> here, we, we, we touched on it the other day very briefly. Vegas is a coming. Now, you're already packing for yes. something in July. But remind people again what Vegas is, because you've, you've won a lot in the last 12 I months. have, it's crazy. Yeah, so um, I was representing Cork in a pageant in the UK and I won. Um, so because of that, now I'm representing Ireland in Las Vegas in July in the Golden Nugget Hotel. So, um, yeah, it's just the outfits are starting to arrive now and I'm starting to take the case out and get things packing. And mm. I'm, I'm so excited about it, How you know. You but hopefully in, I'll do you proud. How long will you be in Vegas? Um, it's, it's it's over an entire week, so every day there's a different event for the pageant. Um, and yeah, my, my mission now is to zip line through Fremont Street because I'm finally thin enough to do it. <laughs> so I was like, that's the plan. Zip line, you better explain to people who've never been to Vegas what that's about. So it's a zip line. Um, it goes through Fremont Street in Vegas. Right. Um, so yeah, the, I've never been able to do anything like that because I was always too big. So yeah. now I was like going to do this now that's the plan even though I'm afraid of heights but I'm still going to do it <laughs> because you can because I can yeah. and you know looking exactly. back looking back on it now and you and I talk, you've, we've talked at every part of, of your journey and we've talked when you were still in pain after an operation and all that yeah you're really happy these days oh god yeah uh, do you know what it's the best thing I did for myself mentally like I, I might look different physically but overall, I've, n- I've never been happier, PJ. Like, the kids have a happy mam in the house, you know. I'm I'm able to go out and socialise with people now, whereas before I hid at home. Like, and even though you know me now from going to bars and hotels, gigging around the place or whatever, like, before I used to go to a gig, I used to have panic attacks before I left the house. And then, I'd like, I remember I, I turned up to an event in... Um, in Cork, it was for Mr. Gay Ireland, uh, Conrad, mm. and I was after having a panic attack, and I was like, Conrad, I have to go home. Like, I'm so sorry, I have to go home, and I, I'll never forget that was my turning point as well. There, like, I was like, no, I need to start doing something about this because I was more worried about what people thought about me as as a plus size woman, mm. um, and uh, yeah, it really affected the mental health, you know. Mm. So it was, yeah, now I'm a completely different person, I'm, and I can't wait to get dressed up and go out at the weekend. It's great fun. Good. How, yeah. how, how old are the smallies now? They're not smallies anymore, are they? They're not smallies anymore. Ashling, I was only saying it earlier on, Ashling is 17 and she was on Twitter last night what? and she was like loving the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. 17? She's kind of in Yeah, it's crazy. I know. Yeah, I'll have a grown adult in August. I can't believe it. And the others? Uh, the other two, Kean is 14 and Ali is 7. Storm Ali, as I call him. He's upstairs there now running around on his day off from school. <sighs> but um, yeah, I know. Crikey. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> You're out to knock. You're out to knock him every six now. And tell me, do you do you do you sing any bit these days? No, I've actually been asked to go back doing karaoke, so I might. You never know with me, but at the moment I'm very busy, so we'll see. We'll All see. right, listen. Good luck in Vegas. We'll have to chat while you're over there. Oh, a hundred percent. I'd love you, it. Yeah. Before you go, we'll have a good laugh with that. And and <laughs> any chance you? I'm going to ask you because I know you'd even try. <laughs> Any chance you'd stick, on. On, you'd stick on a headset while you're on the zip line? <laughs> oh my God. You, do you know what? I actually think they film, yeah? So I'll have it on camera. Definitely. <laughs> Effie, we'll talk again soon, girl. Take care. It's Effie Murphy from, from Cork, who was on First Dates last night. Uh, Miss.
lovely fella, but, you know, he's there was no spark, but they made friends. And if I know her, she now will have a personal photographer. And to Maria, who was also on the show last night, good luck to you for your future. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Get even more of Casey and Ross in the morning on the Highlight Show. Your chance to catch up and listen again. Saturday between 9 and 10 a.m. Everything is just right. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Right, now Monday we'll return to uh, Lyme's disease. Same as every time we talk about it, there's a big reaction to it. Uh, if there's anything out there that you haven't spotted, or that we haven't been told about with regard to the storm, remember if it's to do with the council or anything like that, you can call 021 Four nine two four thousand, and if you have an ESP or electrical fault, do not approach anything broken. Just take out your phone and ring one eight hundred three seven two nine nine nine, and ESP Networks will take your call and sort it for you. Although she seems to have blown herself out, uh, from a Cork point of view, anyway, it looks as if Eunice is on her way to wreak havoc up the country and across the UK. Do you have the app yet? If you do one thing for me before we finish up for the weekend, would you download the Cork's 96FM app? Because on that app, you'll find all of the other things to do at 96 It's not just the radio station, you know. There's a lot more than just the radio station. There's the Hit Mix, there's the Fit Mix, there's Premier League Live. All those buttons are there. And then there's the podcasts. As you know, we podcast this show every day. You usually get the full show before three o'clock, but we also take bits of the day, little selected chunks of the day, and we put them up at what we call Podcast Extra. And you'll find them uh, as early as half past twelve. And all the other podcasts from the radio station are on our app. So download it today. And then, of course, the the smart speaker. If you haven't started using the smart speaker to listen to us yet, why are you even why do you even have one? <laughs> Ask your smart speaker to play Cork's 96FM. Right, that's it. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.